I have not not done my job since I've gotten here. Uh, I can chew and walk gum at the same time. <laughs> Wait. What did he say? Chew and walk gum. At the same time? Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Oh, I no. got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. <laughs> and I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, in Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF, along with other fine terrestrial affiliates all across the country and the world. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe on the Internet, so the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another exciting edition of the Bradcast. And no, we are not covering George Santos, as you heard at the top of the hour. Hi, Des. Hi. That's Desi Doyen. She's our delightful producer. Yes. Uh, but we will uh, we will uh, not be uh, covering George Santos, who you heard, but we will be joined momentarily by a different elected Republican official. One who, to my knowledge, does not constantly lie like George Santos. But I thought that clip was so uh, hilarious that we just had to uh, start off the show with that. Let's, yes, just uh, couldn't resist. And and to play one more time, just to to be fair, he actually corrected the record. Yes, he did. I have not not done my job since I've gotten here. Uh, I can chew and walk gum at the same time. <laughs> I can chew gum and walk at the same time. Yeah, whatever. Sure you can, George. Anyway, uh, George will be... Chewing and walking gum on 13 federal uh, criminal felonies, as I recall, uh, over the next few months. We wish him all the best. <laughs> uh, anyway, speaking of legal trouble, I'm looking forward to tomorrow being deposed by lawyers myself. Oh, goody. From the uh, great battleground state of Georgia. That's one of our favorites on this show, as you know, if you've listened for any amount of time. Uh, and uh, specifically from its uh, lawyers from its Secretary of State's office regarding Georgia's notorious SB202 voter suppression law. No, I'm not actually in trouble. I'm actually a plaintiff. You, you probably remember hearing about that law, SB202. It was championed right after the 2020 election by Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, my good friend Brad Raffensperger. 
We've uh, we've discussed him from time to time on this program. Yes. And his name comes up, doesn't it? It does, does? occasionally. Yeah. And, I've, again, nothing but nice things to say about him. <laughs> and uh, it was also that law was signed by Republican governor and former Secretary of State of Georgia, by the way, Brian Kemp, who, as you know, I have also always been a big fan of over the years. Is, is this too snarky, by the way, for the Georgia <laughs> lawyers who, who might be listening in today? We'll see. I don't care. We just tell the truth around here. Anyway, the measure, Georgia's uh, SB202, is most famous for making it unlawful in the Peach State to give food or water to those who are waiting in line to vote in Georgia, which, by the way, often has very, very long lines, at least in some places, thanks to the dumb, 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems that... Uh, Secretary Raffensperger currently forces every single voter at every single polling place in the state to use when voting. But the uh, this law now, SB202, does a, a whole lot of other stuff that is not as well known. A bunch of voting rights groups are suing. I think it's about eight or nine groups are suing uh, against that bill. Uh, regarding things like the food and water measure. But our friends at coalitionforgoodgovernance.org have a very different lawsuit against this bill, highlighting, for example, the fact that the new law allows the state board of elections to replace local election officials, boards of elections around the state, if they like. Sort of at a whim, they can you know, say they did something wrong and replace them. The law also includes apparently unconstitutional violations of press freedoms for journalists like me while covering elections. And, of course, that's where I come in. For instance, the new law makes it unlawful in Georgia for an observer who may be you know, watching elections, watching the tallying of ballots... To let a journalist like myself know, uh, believe it or not, if, if, if they find a problem while they're overseeing the tallying of the elections. It's now a crime in Georgia to tell anybody but an election official if you see such a problem. That is insane. It's also a crime for an observer to estimate, for example, how many more ballots still need to be counted after an election, believe it or not. So, Something that's like super routine and basic completely. is now criminalized. Yeah, right. So if an election official happens to go on TV and says, oh, well, we've got about another thousand vote-by-mail ballots to, uh, to open and count, but an observer at that same counting location, an observer from the public or a political party, or yes, even a journalist, happens to see a stack of they estimate, say, 5,000 or 10,000 uncounted ballots instead, well, it would be a crime to report as much publicly under this law. That can't be. Well, apparently it is. It would also be a potential felony crime if I or a reporter for the, uh, for the Brad blog that we might send out there tried to videotape an interview with a poll worker uh, inside a poll and ended up getting a shot of someone voting on a voting machine in the background. Or even taking a photo 
of a voted ballot, not one that's tied to the voter, not one that identifies the voter, but just a ballot that has been voted, but where maybe there's a, a question about who the voter had voted for or where, as we have literally seen in Georgia, where a vote is clearly marked on a ballot, but the computer voting system for some reason, did not see that mark and said that there was no vote recorded in that race. Uh, taking a photograph of that ballot and, and you know showing that publicly is now a crime under SB202. Feel free to donate to what may eventually be my own legal defense fund <laughs> at bradblog.com slash donate. For doing just basic routine reporting. Yep. So it, it's kind of nuts. And so I have agreed, happily so, to be a named plaintiff representing the media uh, at large uh, in the uh, in this lawsuit against the SB 202 filed by the Great Coalition for Good Governance, founded by frequent broadcast guest Marilyn Marks, who is uh, who, who is suing also in a separate suit that we have discussed many times on this show. You may have heard once or twice her suit to ban the state's horrible, unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. So tomorrow I will be opposed, uh, deposed by uh, by lawyers for Brian Kemp and or Brad Raffensperger. And I very much look forward to it. I think. <laughs> anyway, uh, while Georgia's terrible voter suppression law is just a terrible bill, suppresses voters, unconstitutionally quashes press freedoms and, and public oversight of public elections, just because a bill having to do with elections is passed by a hard right Republican state legislature, as uh, Georgia's SB 202 was, just because it's passed by a, a hard right legislature like that does not necessarily mean on its own that it is a bad bill. Case in point, a landmark, as I see it, landmark election transparency bill that has just this past week finally passed out of both chambers of the far right Arizona state legislature, albeit with a few votes from Democrats in one of those chambers and a very important endorsement from the state's Democratic Secretary of State. Uh, this, this bill was championed for many years now by our friend John Brakey. You may have heard him on this show over the years. Uh, most famously, while he was helping to oversee that crazy Cyber Ninjas 2020 presidential election uh, so-called uh, forensic post-election forensic audit in Phoenix's Maricopa County when John got famous at the time for explaining that the cyber ninjas were examining ballots under a microscope for evidence that they had bamboo fibers in them to prove that they must have been produced in China or something. Yeah, John wasn't endorsing what they were doing. He was no. just trying to explain it. And then if you saw the rest because of the he video... Was, because he was publicly observing. Yeah, right, so. like public oversight. And uh, the rest of the video actually made clear that he opposed what they, uh, were, what doing. they were doing yes. there. But uh, they cut that off because that's what the corporate media, news media does. Anyway, Brakey is a longtime Democrat. He's been working with Republicans and Democrats alike in Arizona for a long time to see this very important election transparency measure get passed. 
And it finally has been. Here was Arizona's Republican state rep, Alex Culloden, uh, speaking about this particular measure during a hearing on the bill back in February this year, both in support of, well, John Brakey and of this landmark election transparency bill. I first want to start off today by recognizing a guy who bumped himself off his own speaker list so that others could speak, John Brakey. John is and has always been a Democrat, um, and we have vociferous debates about virtually everything besides elections. But on elections, we agree. And in this bill, it's not a Republican idea. This was John's idea, and he's been talking about it for 10 years. So I want to recognize him. Although this trust in our elections is not a partisan endeavor, it is clear that transparency is the cure. Our voting system is so complicated. No normal person can understand it. They can't see it. They can't feel it. They can't touch it. And so, like normal people do, they can't trust it because the trust is not comprehensible to them. When we get this bill right, when we get it into the final form, ordinary people will be able to do that for the first time in this country, and it will heal the divides that we have. It'll heal the rift between brother and brother. It won't fix everything. It won't make our elections perfect, but it might make us a better people. And with that, I do vote aye. That was Republican, Arizona's Republican state rep Alex Colladin uh, speaking in February in support of this bill. I, and I, of course, I don't know that it will heal the divides in our elections, but it is a great place to start. He mentioned, uh, you know, restoring trust to our elections. Trust? No. Elections are not about trust. Elections are about oversight. So maybe restoring confidence in our elections, that would be a good idea. The bill, HB 2560 in Arizona, has now finally been passed by both chambers of the Arizona State Legislature this past week. The only question is now, will the state's former Democratic Secretary of State turned the state's current Democratic governor, will she now actually sign it? We will take a quick break and I will come back to explain this important measure in Arizona, what it does and why a similar bill may soon be coming to a state near you. We'll be joined by Arizona's former Republican Secretary of State, now a Republican state senator who is also a supporter of this important election transparency bill, Senator Ken Bennett joins us next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. That's the idea we're supposed to. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I'm very honored to have Secretary of State Fontes here with me today in support of the bill and many others that I've worked with for years. And even though they are of uh, 
a different party than me. That was Arizona's former Republican Secretary of State and now State Senator once again, Ken Bennett, at a legislative hearing in February this year, welcoming the state's current Democratic Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, as both men appeared at the hearing in support of Arizona's HB 2560, a Republican-sponsored bill that would, among other things, make ballot images from elections a public record. A ballot image, for the many who may not know, is essentially a photograph of the voter's actual ballot that is scanned by a digital scanner at the polling place or county headquarters. It captures a digital image of the voter's ballot at the moment that it is scanned to be tabulated. And it is from that digital photographic image that the computer tabulator actually reads the voter's ballot in order to determine how they have voted in every race. Most modern ballot scanners create such an image during scanning, though not yet every jurisdiction sets their scanners to actually retain those images after an election, after they have finished scanning, and most jurisdictions do not yet not yet, anyway, make those scanned images easily available to the public, even where they are retained after an election. Proponents of making ballot images public records available for review by all argue that doing so would be a huge step forward in transparency for elections, making oversight much easier for the public since essentially... They cost virtually nothing to post online so that anyone can download a large file of ballot images from any election and count them on their own home computer at home if they like. Arizona's longtime election transparency, uh, transparency champion, our friend John Brakey of Audit USA, has been a guest on this program many times over the years, often singing the praises of making ballot images available to the public. He has most recently been citing ballot images as a way to help counter concerns for many on the right, justified or otherwise, about ballots being manipulated by uh, by computers or mistallied during elections or altered after being cast by the voter. But folks on the left, like John Brakey, have also had such concerns over the years, and John thinks that making such images available might well help assuage many of those concerns on both the right and the left. As a longtime dyed-in-the-wool Democrat and nonpartisan election transparency and security advocate, Brakey has worked for many years to find common ground with Republicans and others when it comes to public oversight of our elections. He's been working for years at this point to help shepherd this bill through the very Republican Arizona state legislature that would do exactly that. The measure... HB 2560 would require all 15 Arizona county recorders to send the Secretary of State a digital image of every ballot cast in an election. The bill also requires county recorders to give the Secretary of State, which is currently the Democratic Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, a list of all eligible voters prior to the election and a list afterwards of those who voted in the election. So it can be checked against the first list to make sure that all the voters were indeed registered voters. All of those records would become available to the public, uh, though the registered voter lists, as I understand it in Arizona, are already public records. Secretary Fontes 
has made clear at that uh, legislative hearing back in February where he appeared along with Senator Bennett that he supports this measure. I hope like heck, Madam Chair and and all of the members here, uh, you will advance this so that we can actually get something uh, done here that I truly believe or wouldn't be standing here before you talking about it will increase uh, not only our uh, voters' confidence in our system, but that public verifiability that so many people are looking for uh, across the political spectrum. Voter confidence, public verifiability. There's an idea. Well, good news. HB 2560 finally passed out of both the GOP-led state House and Senate in Arizona this week after being uh, long being championed by the former Republican Secretary of State and Senator once again, Ken Bennett. The measure is also, by the way, supported by the Republican-led Maricopa County Recorder's Office. Maricopa includes Phoenix and is by far the largest county in the state, where the right-wing cyber ninjas, you may recall, charging that the county was stolen somehow from Donald Trump in 2020, held their so-called post-election audit back in 2021, only to find that, yes, Joe Biden did win the state in 2020 and likely by higher numbers than originally reported. But support from the current Democratic Secretary of State, former Republican Secretary of State and Republican-led Maricopa County may not be enough to get this landmark bill over the finish line as it received no votes from Democrats in the House, sadly, and just three in the state Senate. It is currently unknown if former Democratic Secretary of State herself turned governor Katie Hobbs will either sign or veto this landmark bill, which, as it now sits on her desk, would be a great boon to election transparency, at least as I see it, for Democrats, for Republicans and everyone else in the public who might like to know for themselves who actually won or lost an election. If there is anything that I've learned in my 20 years now covering elections, election systems, election integrity across the nation and the world, it's that transparency and public oversight are the key to gaining confidence by the electorate in small d democratic elections. I don't believe that. Digital ballot images will or should ever replace the gold standard of hand-counting actual hand-marked paper ballots, but it is certainly a step, arguably a leap, in the right direction. Joining us now is Arizona's former Republican Secretary of State, now State Senator Ken Bennett, who worked closely with our friend John Brakey on this bill after they both worked together while overseeing that crazy months-long, ultimately failed, in my opinion, Cyber Ninjas audit in Maricopa County back in 2021. Senator Bennett, thank you, sir, for taking time to join us today on the broadcast. Good to be with you, Brad. Thanks. Uh, Senator, I I also invited, I should note, uh, Secretary Fontes to uh, join us today. He told me he'd love to be here, but he was unable to be here today, and he'll be traveling next week. But since this measure will either be signed or vetoed by the uh, the governor, Governor Hobbs, at any time over the next few days, I wanted to sort of get the news out to folks ASAP about it. Did I accurately describe what this bill would do for voters in Arizona as you see it? Absolutely. Uh, the, the one thing that you did not touch on that I think is critical is, in addition to the voter list, mm-hmm. who was eligible and who voted, mm-hmm. which are already public information, and the, di- and the ballot images, mm-hmm. the fourth thing required by the ba- uh, bill mm-hmm. of county election departments, 
to produce every time they have an election is what's called the cast vote record. And the mm-hmm. cast vote record is essentially a spreadsheet, which, as you know, has rows and columns. Mm-hmm. And each row on the cast vote record spreadsheet correlates to a ballot that was processed through the system. Mm-hmm. So, And then the columns on the cast vote record are the choices that the voter had in each of the races. Mm-hmm. So if you have, for example, the image of ballot 892, mm-hmm. and you can see that there's a vote for Smith and Jones and Garcia in whatever races you're looking at, mm-hmm. you can go to the cast vote record, go to row 892, and see that the system clearly recorded a vote for Smith and Jones and Garcia. And then you can add up the columns of the cast vote record and see that Garcia was ultimately awarded 12,000 votes or whatever, Mm -hmm. and that number should and will match exactly the number that the county told us a few days earlier when Mm -hmm. they certified the election that Mr. Mr. or Mrs. Garcia Mm -hmm. received. So that fourth aspect is the only one that you had not mentioned Mm -hmm. so far, but between those... Between those four things, uh-huh. the, the list of eligible voters, the list of who voted, and the bill redacts the names of anybody who is a protected voter because of domestic violence or mm-hmm. judges or police officers or whatever. So those are not released by name, but just as a total number. But the list of eligible voters, the list of who voted, the ballot images, mm-hmm. and the spreadsheet, the cast vote record on which they were added up, are the four elements that the bill says are released to the public for total transparency and public ver- verifiability. So if I have questions about the election results, as I mentioned, the cyber ninjas uh, did in 2020, uh, if I wanted to just, I, I would, in that case, at my home, be able to look at the uh, look at the ballots, randomly maybe select some ballots and check it against that cast vote record to make sure that, well, here's a picture of how the voter voted, and I can make sure that it was tabulated correctly in that cast vote record and yes. uh, wouldn't have to necessarily go. Well, let me ask you, as a former secretary of state yourself and, and the uh, liaison to the Senate during the uh, Cyber Ninja audit, how does this bill sort of answer to what the concerns were that led to that audit in the in the first place in 21? Well, in that audit mm-hmm. and in elections since, we now have, you know, Kerry Lake and Abe Hamaday and others challenging the election of the 2022 uh, election last November. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the allegations of impropriety or fraud that I and John Brakey and others have had to deal with o- over the months and years mm-hmm. have to do in three major categories. One, are there unauthorized voters being allowed to vote in the system? And that's what the two first voter lists are to address. Mm -hmm. Everyone on the list of who voted Mm -hmm. should be found on the list of eligible to vote. Mm -hmm. Another aspect, general aspect of criticism of of the elections, when certain people lose, (laughs) is, well, there there had to have been unauthorized ballots injected into the system Mm -hmm. in favor of someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's that's then addressed by the fact that there should be one ballot image, mm-hmm. no more, no less, for everyone who voted. Mm-hmm. That dispels any notion or allegation that, you know, ballots, you know, when we were doing the audit, the, the, the Cyber Ninjas audit in Maricopa County, John and I, it, there was this big rumor that uh, 40,000 ballots had showed up on a big pallet mm. at Sky Harbor Airport mm-hmm. one night and got injected somehow into the system. Mm-hmm. 
if the ballot images can be shown to match the exact number of voters who voted, that goes away completely. Mm. And then the third one, third general accusation about stolen or fraudulent elections, is that there's either mistakes or intentional manipulation of the machines or something to transfer votes from one person to another Mm -hmm. or somehow manipulate how the votes were counted. That is addressed by the cast vote record being comparable to each or every ballot image uh, to make sure that they were in fact added up correctly. If I had to do if I had to do the Maricopa audit over again, I would not have agreed to be the liaison for the Senate unless I had been given greater authority to make sure how the audit was done. Mm-hmm. Now what the audit the fundamental thing that the audit did was it brought people into the Coliseum there in Phoenix mm-hmm. and we hand counted 2,089,563 ballots <laughs> for the president and the U.S. Senate race right. to see if a human hand count matched the machine count that Maricopa County had told us months before. And what the fundamental finding of the cyber ninjas that got overlooked in many news articles that reported it was that their, their fundamental finding was that Joe Biden didn't win Maricopa County by 40,000 votes over Trump. He won by 40,300. Right. (laughs) And yet that somehow got overlooked with all kinds of other allegations that came out of the audit that, um, you know, we found 8,000 or 27,000 people that moved during the last 90 days of the election. Uh And if they could have looked at that further, they would have found that most of those people moved within Maricopa County during those last 30 days. So they were still Maricopa County residents eligible to vote, and on and on and on. So Mm -hmm. all these other ancillary questions that the audit produced kind of took precedence over the fundamental fact that they hand-counted the ballots and confirmed that the result was what the county had told us in the first place. Right. And uh, and that's something that uh, maybe uh, Arizona taxpayers wouldn't have to spend millions of dollars to find out if they had access, it seems to me, to the ballot images, cast vote records, and all of that. Now, uh, Senator Bennett, I am a uh, longtime progressive myself, uh, not unlike John Brakey. You're a longtime conservative. Why do we both agree on this bill? Because no matter, you know, the policy of the people we support, the most important thing in our democratic republic, Mm -hmm. uh, where the people elect their elected representatives, is for us, the people, to have confidence that the people elected to those offices were elected by the people, not installed through some trickery or fraud uh, or anything else. And so, you know, I might not agree with you and John Brakey as to who I would vote Mm -hmm. for in a particular race, um, but I agree a thousand percent that our elections have to be transparent, trackable, and publicly verifiable. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, sadly, uh, despite uh, Secretary Fontes, the Secretary of State, a Democrat, uh, despite his support for this measure, there were very few Democratic votes uh, in its favor in the state legislature. Uh, can, can you explain that, Senator? Do you have any idea why? Well, when the bill was last voted on in the House of Representatives, mm-hmm. I am informed by uh, one of the Democrat leaders of the Democrats in the Arizona House of Representatives mm-hmm. that for some reason they chose to take a caucus position and mm-hmm. asked 
uh, very strongly that all 29 Democrats uh, vote against the bill. Sometimes that happens irrespective of the legitimacy of the bill. Mm. It might be because they were mad about how the budget had been negotiated a few days earlier or any mm-hmm. one of a number of other things. Mm-hmm. But I had had one-on-one conversations with um, several Democrats in the House of Representatives who helped make suggestions to the bill mm-hmm. that improved it from the day we introduced the bill back in January to today. There were many improvements made to the bill, mm-hmm. many of them suggested by Democrat legislators. Mm-hmm. And I think if the caucus had not taken a caucus position in the House, we would have got some Democrat votes in the House. And we did get three um, Democrat senators' votes in the Senate. So that that's still bipartisan. And we yep. have the sitting Democrat Secretary of State supporting it. And folks like you and John Brakey and others... Um, who have been, I mean, this concept was part of the Arizona State Democrat Party, state party platform in 2012, no less. Right, right. Um, And so this is not a Republican idea or a Democrat idea. Um, This is a election integrity idea that uh, is supported by both Republicans, Democrats, and independents. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wish we'd have gotten more Democrat votes in the legislature, but for other reasons, I think that is explained by other reasons rather than the legitimacy of the bill itself. Well, and whether uh, the uh, governor will sign it, we'll we'll talk about in a second. But I I do want to note, yeah, uh, there are Democrats. uh, For example, I have a letter here that I got last night from uh, Doug Kellner. He's the Democratic co-chair of the New York State Board of Elections since 2005. They're looking at something uh, uh, similar to this. He uh, sent a note to Governor Hobbs uh, urging her to sign HB 2560, saying that it significantly improves the transparency of elections, that electronic ballot images recorded by the scanners is a good method to provide meaningful evidence that our election officials have properly certified election results. So at least outside of Arizona, uh, it it has uh, additional Democratic support. But let me ask you specifically, Senator, uh, Common Cause of Arizona, a theoretically progressive or at least liberal uh, group, they traditionally fight for voting rights. They have been raising hell against this bill in recent months. Their program director, Jenny Guzman, uh, writing editorials and email blasts, describing the bill as the Voter Privacy Violation Act, claiming that it threatens fundamental rights to cast a confidential ballot. She writes the bill is little more than, quote, Arizona lawmakers trying to violate the privacy of every voter in our state. She says, quote, this bill will do nothing to secure our elections, would only serve to scare eligible Arizonans away from casting a ballot. Uh, claiming in an email uh, this week to Arizona Common Cause members that it will, quote, leak to the public the name, address, and precinct of every Arizona voter and even post images of your ballot online for all to see. Can you explain what she's referring to there? And I would, of course, love your response to that critique. Well, she's correct that the ballot images, as we've been discussing, will be released. Mm -hmm. And as is already public record, the names and addresses of people who vote in elections and are eligible, registered to vote in elections, that's already public information. Mm -hmm. Anyone can go to a county or go to the Secretary of State's office and for a few hundred dollars get the voter registration list. Mm -hmm. There are protected voters, uh, 
law enforcement, uh, judicial officers, um, victims of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we have categories where we protect even the name of certain registered voters in those and other, a few other categories. But once, once the envelope, which has your name and address on it, mm-hmm. is removed from or separated from the ballot that's inside. There's nothing on the ballot inside that says this is Brad's ballot or this is Ken's ballot. Mm-hmm. It's just a ballot. Now, it's the same ballot, in fact, the same ballot style as everyone else in your precinct. There's hundreds, usually thousands of voters in the 1,575 precincts or something that we have in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So the the ballot images of everyone in a given precinct are similar, uh, form, similarly formatted, but whose ballot, any given ballot, is is not detectable, or there, there's no way, once the envelopes are separated from the ballots that were in them, mm-hmm. there's no way to tell that a particular ballot came from a particular voter. They're all just anonymous, grouped together. Mm. So her couple of her critical claims there are just not true. Um, so to be clear, because uh, um, basically what her claim is, is that uh, with this bill, it will violate uh, voters' privacy. It will essentially allow people to tie uh, votes to specific voters. Is that, that true? That is not correct. That is not correct. Uh, the ballot images, the ballot images are processed mm-hmm. uh, in the number that they, in the order in which the county received them, usually. They're processed in batches. of uh, Some counties do 200, some counties do 100 uh, in a batch. Mm-hmm. But once they have been separated from the envelope, which did tell the county election folks, here's, mm-hmm. here's a legitimate ballot being returned by a voter that we sent them their ballot in the mail. Mm-hmm. It comes back. Under the flap of the envelope is the voter's signature so that they can verify that the voter really did mm-hmm. um, insert their ballot. But once that envelope is separated from the ballot itself, the ballot itself has no identification right. of which voter it is attributable to. Now, I know that you guys worked very hard, uh, nonetheless, to respond and uh, change the bill uh, to respond to concerns and critiques like those from Common Cause, a number of Democrats, as you mentioned. With that in mind, uh, and with the uh, House voting on uh, mass, the Democrats in the House voting uh, as a group against this bill, well, do you expect Governor Hobbs, a Democrat, uh, former Democratic Secretary of State there, uh, this bill is now on her desk, do you expect that she will sign it, given that it's being supported by both a Democratic and Republican Secretary of State? And by the way, as I noted, election officials from across the country in states like New York and Florida, etc. Yeah, well, I think we've got a good chance of it being signed by Governor Hobbs. She knows, as you and I have just been discussing, that the ballot images are not tied or identifiable to any particular voter. Mm -hmm. She knows that that claim by Common Cause and, unfortunately, a couple other groups lately is not true. She knows, you know, from her four years as Secretary of State, like Mm -hmm. Adrian Fontes, who was the Maricopa County Recorder, and I, who was the Arizona Secretary of State for six years, Mm -hmm. all know that the voter lists are already public information, the ballot images do not tell anybody whose ballot that is. Now, unless you put 
you know, unless you write on your ballot, this is Ken Bennett's ballot. Uh-huh. But we already have state laws, Brad, that allow a voter to take a selfie of their ballot and post it on whatever social media that platform they want uh-huh. to show that I voted or I voted for my guy or our guy or whatever. Uh-huh. And so if the voter chooses to make their ballot public, uh-huh. that's up to the voter. Gotcha. Otherwise, there's nothing on a ballot image that ties it to a particular voter. And Governor Hobbs, as former Secretary of State Hobbs, knows that, and therefore I think she, I think there's a good chance she's going to sign the bill. Oh, I hope you're right. How, how long does she have? It's only something like five or ten days that she has to either sign, veto, or I guess ignore the bill, and then it becomes law if she doesn't sign it. Is that correct? Uh, because the legislature is still in session, uh-huh. she has five days to sign it or it becomes law without her signature. Mm. Um, I b- believe the bill was transmitted to the governor's office late on Monday mm-hmm. or early Tuesday morning, but I think it was late Monday. So five business days would be... Just about now. Well, the end of this week, yeah. the end of this week... Um, and I believe it's now. I don't remember whether it's uh, calendar days or business days, but ah. we're, we're within a few days of her either signing the bill, vetoing the bill, or not signing the bill, and it becomes law without her signature. Well, I'm I'm disappointed, Senator. Uh, after being a senator and or a secretary of state for about twenty years now, it seems like you should know whether it's business days or not. <laughs> I'm just saying. Is there anything uh, last before I let you go? Is there anything that any advice for how folks in Arizona or even outside the state, uh, because I, you know, I think this uh, this sort of bill is going to. I know John's working on Brakey is working on it in Florida and New York and elsewhere. Uh, any advice for how folks might help encourage Governor Hobbs to sign uh, what I see as a uh, landmark bill in Arizona? Well, if the, uh, yes, the governor's office has a email address where people can give her their suggestions mm-hmm. it's called engage at az.gov okay and so uh you know that's a place where she'll she'll hear probably both sides of people who like it and don't like it but i just hope people will, will see the value of you know our our voting voting is a sacred and secret process but once we have disassociated the ballots from any particular voter the counting of our ballots needs to be a very public process and it needs to be verifiable by the uh, public and the Kerry lakes and the abe hamadays mm-hmm. and people who are alleging that they could not have possibly lost last november mm-hmm. their campaigns and their legal teams need to be able to see the ballot images so yep. that they can Kerry lake needs to see that a hundred and twenty thousand arizonans mm-hmm. voted for republican candidate Kimberly Yee for state treasurer and did not vote for Kerry Lake, Republican candidate for governor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and when that visual proof is verifiable by candidates, by regular citizens, by the media, by universities, mm-hmm. by election scrutineers like John Brakey's Audit USA group down in Tucson, yep. all of that can and will be verified. I have long said that even people who uh, you politically disagree with, people who are crazy, people who are misinformed, they still deserve to know whether their elections were counted 
accurately. And uh, the, the only way to do that is uh, public oversight. And this uh, ballot images, making those public, I think is a big step in that direction. Uh, thank you, Senator Ken Bennett, for your work on this, for uh, working with our friend John Brakey. Ken Bennett, of course, is the former Republican Secretary of State of Arizona, former state Senate president as well, by the way, and now once again a state senator. Thank you for your time, sir. Good luck on this measure. Thanks, Brad. You bet. Thank you. So that is engage at az.gov, uh, or you can just go to azgovernor.gov and look for the contact link there. But uh, I, I hope people will ring in on this because it's a very interesting, very interesting situation where you've got the uh, former Republican Secretary of State, the current Democratic Secretary of State, both in favor of of an election reform measure. A, that almost never happens these days. True. And then uh, B or C, I don't remember where we're at, uh, <laughs> the former Democratic Secretary of State is now the governor and has to decide whether to sign this bill or not. Well, based on how Ken Bennett, Senator Bennett, has described it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And the uh, the the actual bipartisanship of it, I think, goes to what pretty much all of the election and the real election integrity people yes. say, the true ones that have been yes. working on it. It's nonpartisan. You know, yeah. voting is not right or left. Election security is not right or left. None of that. It's, you know, basically what we want is the formula that uh, Senator Bennett and John Brakey and mm -hmm. Secretary of State Fontes yep. have said, which is transparency plus public oversight is the way that you build public confidence. So that seems to be what this bill at least does a very good job of putting on that, getting set on that path. Look, I have uh, you know long said that there's no way to know how a, a, a ballot was actually, how a voter actually voted unless human beings actually examine a hand-marked paper ballot. The best way to do that, of course, is with the original actual hand-marked paper ballot and a proper chain of custody to know that it has been secured the whole time, to not trust computers. But in as much as you can, I guess, trust computers to take a photograph of all of these ballots, well, in truth, you don't even have to trust because you can have the photographs of the ballots. And as uh, the senator said, you also have the cast vote list that you know shows exactly how the computers tallied this. You can compare a specific ballot. If you have a question about any particular ballot, you want to see how it was actually tallied. You can match those up and you can do this all from your home. Everyone around the country can do this. People can do this themselves. People can oversee their own public elections if you can imagine such a thing. And it's something that, to his credit, uh, John Brakey has been selling, pushing for years all across the country, not just in Arizona, where he's from, but all over the place. And I think this would be the first major effort by a complete state. Uh, you know, to, to make this possible to it across the entire state. To yeah. make it part of their election procedures, which, you know, as we've discussed before, you know, the public is just really not very well educated or informed on how these election procedures work, which is why... Well, they're complicated. It was, I don't blame. Yeah, yeah it's and hard. It was why it was so easy for the MAGA conspiracy theorists mm -hmm. to mislead people about how things work. So hopefully something like this will get started on educating people how they can oversee their mm -hmm. own election 
connections to their heart's content. And perhaps it will help even some of the MAGA people uh, pull out of that rabbit hole Well, there. they were, listen, they were misleading people, but many of them were also misled. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, as I noted uh, with Senator Bennett there, it doesn't matter if they were misled. It doesn't matter if they're crazy. It doesn't matter if they, you know, completely disagree with who you would like to see elected. They also have the right to know whether their favored candidate won or lost. And in fact, it has been said that the mark of a successful election is when the supporters of the loser of the election can walk away knowing that they have lost. And this is something that I've long warned about when it comes to this move that we made to these computerized elections where it's next to impossible to oversee whether the computers have tallied them right or wrong, right, this is you, a solution to that. Right, because nobody and, can look inside a computer to watch it tally. So it, this is helpful in that respect. Correct. And it's, you know, we have lost confidence in elections, uh, in elections as we have lost the ability to oversee them. And uh, again, this is something that, you know, right, left, middle, center, I don't know, whatever you want, that we all have to uh, uh, be able to do. We all have to oversee our own public elections uh, or, frankly, democracy is lost. And I have warned about the very moment that we are now in. For many years. Yes, you When have. because we have lost all the transparency, you've got cretins out there who are able to say, oh, we actually won by a landslide. Really? Did you? Well, now every American can have proof one way or another if you won or lost. And it makes it a lot harder to lie about elections. So we have only ourselves to blame for where we have gotten in this mess. But we do have at least a partial way out, I think. Yeah. Uh, with uh, measures like this um, uh, HB 20, uh, HB 2560 in Arizona. So if you're in favor of it, you can write to the Arizona's Democratic governor, Katie Hobbs, very politely, asking her to sign this bill. Please do it ASAP, if you like, at engage, E-N-G-A-G-E, at az.gov. And then start uh, pushing for the same bill in a state near you. Quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. Right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad here at The Bradcast and bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Well, alrighty then. We uh, continue our uh, Nothing But Laughs and Chuckles <laughs> broadcast today with Desi Doyen. 
and her latest Green News Report. The last seven years have been the warmest ever, and the next five will be the yet warmest ever. We've we've seen the coolest years uh, of the rest of our lives. Scientists warn world likely to blow past 1.5 degrees Celsius climate target by 2027. The torrential rains followed months of drought, worsening the impact of the floods, meteorologists said. Italy and Somalia stricken by torrential rains and deadly floods. Plus, buckle up, the entire U.S. will see an unnaturally hot summer, Noah warns. Oh, I hate that Noah guy. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. My budget cuts $30 billion in spending on tax subsidies for big oil companies. They made $200 billion. They don't need a $30 billion subsidy. That's not what the other guy told me. If elected president again, what is the first thing you would do to help bring down the cost to make things more affordable? Drill, baby, drill. Well, there you go. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Dizzy Doyen, despite all of the efforts across the globe to do something about it, is it really helping? <laughs> well, it's helping a little, but not fast enough. The World Meteorological Organization this week warned that over the next five years, fossil fuel pollution and a potential El Nino are likely to temporarily push global temperatures past the Paris Climate Agreement's 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold above pre-industrial levels for at least one year, mm-hmm. for the first time ever. And it's almost certain that the world will break the record for the hottest year in history that was set back in 2016. All that will further intensify already extreme weather disasters around the world. Climate scientists say it's important to remember that the biggest danger is not when an individual year temporarily crosses the 1.5 Celsius target, but when the world permanently breaches it and stays there. Oh, so if it happens once, no big deal. It's still a big deal. In a press conference, WMO chief Piteri Talas explained the trend line is not good. We haven't been able to to limit the warming so far and... uh and we are still moving in the wrong wrong direction. The increasingly intense effects of global heating are already here. A stunning heat wave in the Pacific Northwest has broken numerous daily and monthly high temperature records in Oregon and Washington and intensified wildfires in Alberta, Canada's tar sands oil region. Many areas are seeing 20 to 30 degrees Fahrenheit above seasonal norms. Recent studies confirm that man-made climate change has made intense heat waves waves five times more likely than in the past. The entire U.S. will see an unnaturally hot summer. That's according to the NOAA Climate Prediction Center's latest three-month outlook. That will increase the risk of more frequent and intense heat waves, wildfires, and drought in the U.S. The U.S. Department of Agriculture warned that farmers in the Midwest, already plagued by persistent drought, are poised to abandon withered crops at the highest rate in more than a century. Which, of course, is going to drive up all kinds of prices while Fox News tells everyone climate change isn't a problem at all. Yep. 
In northern Italy, deadly floods killed at least nine people and forced thousands to evacuate after some areas were hit with half their yearly rainfall in just 36 hours. The floods destroyed roads and bridges and forced the cancellation of the Formula One Grand Prix race. In Somalia, torrential rains and floods have killed at least 22. In both Italy and Somalia, scientists say severe drought worsened the impacts of floods by reducing the soil's capacity to absorb water. Tragedy in Texas City, Texas, the region's second oil refinery fire in less than two weeks killed an employee at the Marathon Refinery on Galveston Bay. That's along a stretch of Texas coast that is heavily populated by petrochemical facilities. In other news, the Biden administration has granted a key permit for the controversial proposed Mountain Valley Pipeline to run through a section of the Jefferson National Forest in West Virginia. That part of an agreement last year to secure the vote of conservative Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia to pass Biden's landmark climate law, the Inflation Reduction Act. But some good news. The Biden administration announced nearly $11 billion in grants and loans to help rural energy and utility providers deploy renewable energy in rural communities using funds from the Inflation Reduction Act. It's the single largest investment in the rural electric grid since President Franklin Roosevelt's 1936 Rural Electrification Act. Finally, wind energy has generated more electricity than natural gas for the first time. In the UK, a new analysis confirms that over the first three months of the year, more than 40 percent of the UK's electricity was generated by clean, renewable wind and solar, with only a third coming from fossil fuels like gas and coal. Well, remember, drill, baby, drill. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I heard somebody say burn, baby, burn. Burn, baby, burn. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, we got to boogie the heck out of here. <laughs> Burn the mother down. Uh, I got a depot to prepare for, and I want to thank our producer, the delightful Desiree Doyen, my guest today, Arizona State Senator and former Republican Secretary of State Ken Bennett, and I want to thank all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can always download all of them for free at bradblog.com. Our show is made possible only by folks kind enough to uh, stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. Please consider signing up for a subscription of any amount you like. All of it, any of it, is greatly needed and uh, appreciated right now. Thank you. bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me an email if you like. I'm Bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons, I am the Brad Blog. We'll see you there. Till we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>